0: I want to start with something, a story that happened this week, and it was, a, it was kind of a joke among the staff, um, but it fits into the sermon well. Um, we had a, um, so this week, as you can see, we have this nice new drum booth. Thank you, Itcher, for putting this together. <clears throat> um, but So we got this new drum booth, but I had to give Itcher my keys. To the church, so he could come in and work and I wouldn't have to be here the whole time. With that being said, I had to get in at one point. So, how do I get in? Well, I'm a pastor. I know there's secret passageways, but I'm a little on the large side, so I need an extra boost, okay? I need I need some help. I but in order to get that help, I need a good foundation to stand on. Can I get an amen? Let me tell you, this thing is not a good foundation for a big boy like me, all right? So as I was trying to gently get into the church without breaking an earring and somebody across the street calling the cops on me, my foot went through that chair. That is not a good foundation, let me tell you. Um, It was out in the rain, and I saw it, and I was like, it's close, I'm going to use it put my foot down on it, went straight through, fell. It was a sight to behold. But what's important for us out of this is we have to have a sturdy foundation. I know I watched many of you in this room today because I knew I was going to use this example of the chair. Nobody checked to see if the, that chair was sturdy. We just had faith and went upon that and sat down. Especially if you got a big okoli like me, you got to make sure that things are sturdy before you sit down on them. And, and we're going to start talking about that Um, Because we're going through a new series. We're going to step away from the book of um, Mark for a little bit for the month of November. And every November we do a practical series. I don't know if you've been with us in the past through these series, but we do a practical series. So this series is going to be entitled Designed by God. It's a series based on the family. So today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the foundation of the family. And for the sake of the family, I hope our foundation is not like this chair. But many of our foundations are like this chair. It gets weathered and beaten, and then it gets weak. So we're going to talk about what it takes to have a biblical foundation for the family. So I'm just going to go right in. We're, I'm gonna, I lined it up a little bit different, so we're not going to read the passage first. We're going to dive straight in. So what is the foundation of the family? Where did the family start? We see this in Genesis. The foundation for the family started with a decree from God. Genesis 2-7 says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And then verse 20 uh, through 22 says this, The man gave the names to all the livestock and the birds of heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So this is the first first part of the scriptures where we see a family unit. We see that God created man. A couple key things that we need to point out here. Man was created... With the dust of everything else. You see when God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke. God spoke the stars to hang him into the sky. He spoke and he said. Monique you be this tall. And things happen. But when he created man. He created them differently. And when when I read this. The image that comes to my mind. Is the ten commandments. When God carved the ten commandments with his finger. I can see. Like God's finger coming down and making lines in the dust to form man. You see, man was, a, was important to God. It's not something he just said and created. He designed it with, by his own power. He, he, knit, he knit it together, is what Jeremiah says. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He designed it imperfectly. And then God, out of that dust... He took the rib out of the man and and created woman. But you see, the biggest difference between these two things, between all the rest of creation and what he did with man, is what we see is the breath. God's breath. He breathed into the nostrils of man. Scripture relates this breath to God's spirit. And that's what I want to talk about today. Ezekiel set, talks about it this way Ezekiel 37, 1 through 6. He says this The hand of the Lord was upon me. Listen to this in light of Helo. The, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley. It was full of dry bones. And he led me around them, uh, around among them, and behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord God, to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay muscle upon you, and cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. You see, when we were singing Spirit of the Living God, that's what I thought of for Hilo. Spirit of the living God, we are in a valley of dry bones. Hilo doesn't know, but, but the breath, the breath of God is waiting. And when I moved to Hawaii, there was something I was jealous. And I, I'm going to ask Connie to come up and talk about it a little bit because I was jealous of it. There was something that I thought was so reverent and that I didn't want to take part of it. I thought it was the, the importance of this was so important to the Hawaiian culture, I didn't, I didn't feel worthy to, to take part of it, and so I wanted Connie to come up and talk a little bit about it because it's about the breath, it's about the aloha spirit, and so I, I just want Connie to come and talk a, a little bit about it first.
1: So what I wanted to talk about is exactly what, just, what we just shared, which is what we call the ha, or the breath of life. But I wanted to tell you exactly why I do it. I don't do it just for cultural purposes. In fact, I would even tell you that it's not even for culture. I do it because it's an opportunity to Share with two spiritual beings um, an opportunity, I would say, the best way to be your brother's keeper. So I would say this. In that moment, as we embrace, before I'm even coming, because I have a relationship with Kahu Marcus, I won't do it just with anybody, okay? So because I have a relationship, before I even get to Cahu Marcus, I'm already praying. And I'm, what I'm praying about specifically is that as God would use me as the vessel, because that's all I am, its just the vessel, I would pray that any, any hakaka, any pilikia, any troubles or anything that may distract Kahu Marcus from a relationship with God, that's what I pray for. So by the time I get to Kahu Marcus and as I breathe in, I'm breathing in, and, and what I'm doing is, I'm just being the vessel, and I, as he's, as Hawai'i say, hemolele, as we hemo, as we let go, that's an opportunity for me to be that brother, to be that vessel, and take in, and simply this is what it does. I go here, I take in all his hakaka and all his pilikia, and I give him to the one he can by going, and I send him upstairs. Most of our people don't know that. Most of our people, are just say people, yeah? We like to do things because the thing look cool, you know? Uh, I don't ever do that because it looks cool. Um, to me, it's, an, it's just an unreal opportunity to make much of God and less of me. And in that opportunity, it allows me to know that who's the greater one. And I get to, that God would even choose me, choose you, you know? So from a culture standpoint, it's not so much about culture. It's about God and his kingdom activity. Amen.
0: So I wanted... I did that I meant, because me and Connie struggled through that. Connie's the only person I will do that with. Because I respect the culture, I respect Connie so much, is that I, I just don't do that. That's, that's something that's not my nature, it's not my culture, it's not my original culture. So it's not something I want to impose on, but I see the value in it. I love it, I'm jealous of it, because of what scripture talks about. But I want us to take a step further, because that, that culturally is relevant, but I want to talk about spiritually. Spiritually. Spiritually, this is relevant because we look at God and we we see God in the beginning when in Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, it talks about breathing life into the nostrils. We also see that in the Valley of the Dry Bones with Ezekiel. God breathed his spirit into these people. Let me tell you something. The reason I like that is because me and Connie's got each other's back. That's what I mean. He's my brother's keeper. Like he's going to keep me straight and I'm going to keep him straight to the best of our ability. But when God does it, but when God does it, it's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. God breathed life into you knowing you're going to turn your back on him. Listen to that. Because that right there between me and Connie can be really Conditional. But when God does it, it's unconditional. There's beauty in that. Because spiritually, we were all without life. We were all, look, the line word Hallie makes sense spiritually for all of us. Because we were all without breath of life. But then God, through the Holy Spirit, breathed life into us. It's called the quickening of the Spirit. So when we establish the family, because this is a family series, we must first understand that our relationship with God is more important than our relationship with the family. Listen to this reality truth. God intended that the relationship within the family had a a primary initial relationship with him. I know that's a little wordy, but when God created Adam, he breathed life into Adam through the nostrils. And before he gave him Eve, him and and Adam had a relationship. So when we look at the family, we must first primarily look at our relationship with God first. That's the only foundation that's not going to crumble like that, chair. It's the only foundation that we can build upon that has the strength to withstand whatever the world throws at us. You see, in the Old Testament, we... Uh, that foundation was prescribed to God the Father. We see God the Father as the the main point of the Godhead used in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we see Jesus. The Gospel of Mark we're studying through is about Jesus. And uh, the book of Acts that we studied through previously is more about the Holy Spirit pointing back to Jesus. So this morning, though, I want to... because we're in the age of the Holy Spirit, I want us to go look at the Holy Spirit again. See who the Holy Spirit really is. Because we attribute so much to Jesus, and he's worthy of all praise. Jesus died upon the cross for our sins. But the Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead that we have within us. The Spirit lived and dwells within us. He's that move around us. He points us back to what Christ did on the cross. So, so now as we go, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is this guy? John MacArthur says this, the Holy Spirit is the divine agent who creates, sustains, and perseveres spiritual life in those who place their uh, trust in Jesus Christ. Now merely as an influence or an impersonal power emanating from God, the Holy Spirit is a person the third member of the Trinity. So here's just five simple truths about the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is all, this is all pre-sermon. You know that. Yeah, we haven't even got to our main text today. <laughs> Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. We talked about it. John 16, 7 says this. This is Jesus' words. Nevertheless, I will tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I, if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says, I will send him to you. That, that is in direct reference to the Holy Spirit. R.C. Sproul says this, Also, he does things that we associate with personality. He teaches, he inspires, he guides, he leads, he grieves, he convicts us of sin and more. Impersonal objects do not behave in this manner. Only a person can do these things. Often we refer to the Holy Spirit like a, like a jenny in the bottle, that we want the power to do stuff, so we refer to this, this all natural power. I'm a Star Wars fan. It makes me think of the force, like this supernatural thing that, that you can tap into and get power, but it's not like that. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he's a part of the trinity. Number two, the Holy Spirit is equal with the Father and the Son. This is the one we get messed up a lot. Because we look at the Holy Spirit and think of all the great things He's done. They fill up, they want the Spirit to move and cause chaos in stadiums all around the nation, all around the world. But listen to this. This is powerful. The activity of the Spirit is never in isolation than the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So the Spirit cannot do what Jesus never did. Because they're Unitarian. It's a Unitarian God. They are all equal. They all have the same passion. They all have the same goal in life. So why would one do something that the other couldn't do or wouldn't do? They all work together as a unit. We see that in salvation. We see that in, in creation. They, the decrees, the carrying out, the Holy Spirit empowering it. So you never see the Holy Spirit working in op- opposition. Opposition of the eternal will of the father. The Holy Spirit's going to do what the Father wants it to do. And if we think in these terms, if we think differently than these terms, it's going to lead us down a path we do not want to follow. It's going to lead us down to a dead end street. This name it, claim it gospel that says the Holy Spirit's going to give you whatever you want? Do you know what Christ gave the disciples? Death They, all but one, died from persecution. So why is the Spirit going to give us all these blessings? Yes, He can bless us. Jesus wants to bless us, but that is not our goal in life. Our, our goal in life is to know Christ and to know Him more and more each and every day. That is the role of the Trinitarian God. It's to glorify each other. God would be perfect to be in heaven all alone for eternity. God was okay with being a Unitarian God. But in his plan of salvation, that we cannot either fathom nor, I mean, we can't fathom it. God decided to make creation that he knew would fall to send a part of the Trinity to to earth to die in our place to give glory to God. It's mind-blowing. But that is the role of the God. So why would they work opposite of each other? They are all unified into glorifying God. All right. Sorry, that was a long one. But number three, the Holy Spirit was an agent of creation. We've already looked at this. Genesis 1 talks about the Spirit hovering over the face of the waters. It's also, it also can be referred to as breath. The breath of God, as we saw in Ezekiel. The breath of God was going to fill these The the bones that were just laying there in a valley. So the spirit, the Holy Spirit was the agent of creation. What do you think it would be like to be just somewhere and watch the Spirit move in creation? And one in one statement, the Milky Way galaxy was thrown into the sky. In one statement, the waters parted away from the the earth. What would you think that was like? The Holy Spirit is the creator of all this. Which leads us into the the fourth one. The Holy Spirit is also the agent of the new creation. You see, as, as this earth goes on, There's going to be a new creation. Uh, Revelations tells us there's going to be a new Jerusalem and a new new heavens and new earth. The Holy Spirit is the agent that's going to create that. But more than that, more than that is the spiritual new creation. You see, in order for us to understand, in order for us to have salvation, in order for us to know Jesus Christ, we have to understand sin. We have to understand the sin that that separates us from a God, uh, eternal loving God. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2 tells us we are dead in our trespasses and sins. What can a dead man do? Nothing. So the Holy Spirit has to quicken our heart in order for us to understand our desperate need for a loving, eternal God. So that's the agent of the new creation. And as as we're talking about the new creation, this is also the agent that sustains the new creation. Because once once that quickening happens and you trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit now lives resides within us. Think about that. The one that created the universe, that Milky Way galaxy I was talking about, that that same person indwells within us. And He sustains us through this life. And lastly, the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in all righteousness. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's by the authority and power of the Holy Spirit that separate men over generations and 2,000 years of time have the same core message. God's here for this is the story of God's redemption plan. But what's also good about this is as the author of Scripture, he indwells within us. Think about that. The author of Scripture indwells within us. So as we read Scripture, ask the Holy Spirit for understanding. You have the author living inside of you. So as we get to Difficult parts of scripture, ask because he's there. So, number three, and this is where we get to the main passage. How does the Holy Spirit affect my life? How does the Holy Spirit, we've talked about this Holy Spirit, how does he affect my life today? So, that's where I want us to turn in our Bibles to Ephesians 5. This is the main passage for this series. We'll go on next week, but <clears throat> if you're there, say amen. amen. Ephesians five fifteen through twenty one. Look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of our time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with, all, with your heart, giving thanks always for the everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we'll see three things of how the Holy Spirit affects my life individually. The Holy Spirit makes the unwise wise. That's what verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Proverbs, um at Psalms 14:1 says this, the fool says in his heart there is no god. They are corrupt and do abomin- abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Listen to that. Because all before we came to know Christ, our heart said there is no god. I'm the ruler of my own heart. I make the decisions. I'm the final authority. As we live that way, and even as Christians sometimes today, we can have a heart that says there is no God. We can live a life that says, we don't want to hear from you, God. We don't want that authority. We don't want that life. But guess what? It's a blessing when we live that life. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. How many of how many you ever screwed up before because you thought you were going down the right path, but it was totally wrong? Yeah, I've done that. I've done that many of times. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Listen. The only power that can make the unwise wise is the quickening of the Holy Spirit. It's the only only power on this earth that can bring fools into wisdom. Number two, the Holy Spirit redeems our time. This one hit hard for me. The Holy Spirit redeems our time. We all know we only have a set time here on this earth. We're only here for a minute. The scriptures call it a vapor of time. Just as quick as we we were leaving this morning and I kind of flipped out this morning because I turned the dryer on before we left. And I walk outside and it's kind of cool and a big puff of steam comes out of our dryer as we're pulling out and I'm like, ooh, what's going on? Because it was there, and then it was gone. It's what Scripture calls our life in the, in the time frame of eternity. You see, we have to understand that, that God gave us a precious amount of time. And for my generation, we like to push things back. We like to push things back in our lives. Oh, I can do this later. I don't have to be serious about Christianity. I've got the rest of my life. I don't have to count everything as lost for the sake of knowing Christ now because I'll do that when I retire. i got to live for to have everything I need in this world now. This past week I, from my hometown I know Zeke talks about Balbuckle Cafe my high school was in between Balbuckle and Wartrace two very small towns. So I graduated with the class of 109 in between those two towns. And it pulled a third of the county. But when I was in high school, there was a pattern going on. From my seventh grade grade year, because my school was so small, we had the middle school on one side, the high school on the other. It was divided by the office and the cafeteria. From my seventh grade year to my 12th, my actually the year after I graduated high school, somebody died in the senior class every year. And just recently, this past week, I had a friend. She was a couple years older, older than me. I think she would have graduated with my wife, but they went to different schools. She got hit by a drunk driver who was driving down the highway going a different way, like, so Ponava stretched. he was driving on the wrong side of Ponava, going down the highway and hit her head on. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know when the last time we're going to see somebody is. But the Holy Spirit redeems our time. It brings to remembrance these things. It brings to remembrance Christ and him crucified and the mission of, of the kingdom of God upon us. See the, the word making most of in this passage. Making most of your time. It has a redeeming quality. It's actually the same word used as buying off the slave block. There's people that's gonna die in Hilo today that's gonna go to hell. So as we redeem our time, we we use that, leverage that for the Holy Spirit to redeem those people. It's a high calling. But it's the calling we signed up for in salvation. And lastly, the Holy Spirit causes us to act differently. It says this and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What happens when we become drunk? We probably all have stories of some sort, but it makes us—it causes us to do things not within our nature. It causes us to do things that that are not a part of ourselves, what we normally would, would do. I remember the first time I came, the we landed in Hilo. We we, I'm from the Bible Belt, y'all. Like y'all don't understand. Like we we are proper, we are petite. And we have everything, like we clean ourselves up for, for church, which is a lie. It's false gospel, but that's what we did, okay? Uh, suit and tie stuff. I used to like wearing bow ties. I like this a lot better. But all that being said, I get off the plane. We go to McDonald's. They don't have sweet tea. My heart is broken. I get fruit punch and follow them up. But after that... <laughs> After that, we go to a Bible study. We go to a Bible study. This is before the church even started. Down a uh, bus stop, the bus terminal. I get there. There's one person high and one person drunk. And the drunk person was like, Man, I love you. I was like, Bro, I don't even know you. Like, who are you? I love you, man. I just love you so much. Thanks for coming. And I was like, he doesn't act that way when he's not drunk. So we all act differently while intoxicated. I work in construction. I hear stories every Monday of what everybody else did that weekend. Animal noises, it's not off limits in my office, and I don't know why. But that's what happens. Being drunk causes our actions to be completely different. Sometimes we go arrogant, I'm the right one. Or sometimes it's a loss of ambition and we hide in a corner and just try to drown our sorrows. It causes us to act different, just like the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we act differently. Not in the same way, we are complete opposite. But we act differently. Being filled with the Spirit causes us to use our time, money, and resources well. Not to waste them on killing time. It causes our action to be different. It causes our behavior to be different. Listen to this. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. So when when we obtain the Holy Spirit and when He indwells within us, when we ask Him to indwell in us, listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Listen to that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many times is that opposite of being drunk? And not for the sake of, of the alcohol, but it's the state of our mind. We should be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Scripture commands us. And how much differently would our lives be if we lived our life with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness? Self-control. M- me and my wife and our baby went to... Um, Went and saw the F-22 Raptors. It took us an hour to get out of Hilo, Hilo Airport. Talking about self-control, I wanted to snap at some people. But it causes us to live differently. So in a role as a family, how different would our lives be if, we used, if that was our primary state of being? How how much different would mine and Sarah's relationship be if my life reflected the fruit of the Spirit? Because it's being built on a solid foundation. Listen, it's not in the notes. As a generation, we're all adults in here for the most part. As a generation, my generation coming up, Marriage is just about the sexual encounters. It's not based upon these things. And that's why you're seeing marriage being eroded away. Because it's based on experience for me instead of self sacrifice for you. Listen, he goes on. Paul goes on and says this. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with, with your heart. I've never had a fight with my wife after singing Amazing Grace to her. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it changes your heart. So as we are filled with the Spirit, if this is the overflow of our lives, then our family lives will be so much better. If the overflow is making melody with our heart, It's hard to worry about stuff when you're making melody to God. It's hard to be mad at each other when you're submitting yourselves to one another in reverence to Christ. Listen, the foundation of the family is our foundation with the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Without that, it's it's rubble. Because as a family works together, submitting to your to one another is the utmost priority. If you're going to argue every place you go to out to eat, it's not going to work well. But if you submit to one another and try to for the betterment of the family. It's the same way as we submit to the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing. That's what God calls us to do as Christians, is to submit to the, to the Holy Spirit. All right. Family means submitting to one another so no one gets left behind. To semi quote, Lilo and Stitch. Ohana means no one gets left behind. How do you do that? All right. Dream of me as being an ultra marathon runner, okay? No, it's hard, like, but use your imagination. Yeah, close your eyes. Like, <laughs> if I'm an ultra marathon runner and we're on a race, me and my family, I'm gonna have to go as fast as Cohen can go. Even though I could plow ahead, but as a family unit, I gotta go as la- as slow as Cohen goes my two-year-old son. As we submit to each other in that way, for the benefit of the family, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how, that is the foundation of the family. So where do we go from from here? Where do we go? If we want a family designed by God, if we want to be a Ohana designed by God, there's a couple things I want us to do. Number one, on you version, on, the, on your notes, there's a family worship um, plan. Every, every day this week, what I want you to do is I want you to subscribe to that plan and whoever the spiritual leader of your household is. there's a video. Watch the video. It will tell you what to do. And as families, I want us to get, a, get together around wherever you deem. And study scripture. Listen, if we, if we come together as Ohana every Sunday and we worship, we sing, and we hear the preaching, why don't we do that with our, our individual families? Why don't, we, why don't we have that same priority as our individual families? It's got to be ourself. And then what me and Sarah do is every night before we go to bed, we read a story to Cohen, we sing to Cohen. Listen, guys, I know I cannot sing but I sing to my son because I don't want him to grow up thinking it's okay not to worship. It's not okay. It doesn't matter what I sound like. We sing, we sing This Little Lie. What else do we sing? Ho'onani. We sing, we sing all these songs with Cohen every night because I want him to grow up in a worship family. I want him to grow up to know that his daddy doesn't knows he can't sing, but he loves him enough to sing with him. So that's my challenge. I want us to go through this five, it's only five days. Commit to me five days of getting together with your family around the dinner table right before you go to bed and worship and sing together. Secondly, what I want us to do right now is I want us to pray for the Holy Spirit. I want us to pray individually for the Holy Spirit to empower us to to lead our families well. So on the count of three, as Brian plays in the background, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our kids. We're going to pray for ourselves to lead well. So on the count of three. One, two, three. pray for the Holy Spirit to empower you. What I want us to do, in the spirit of prayer, in the spirit of prayer right now, I want you to find your family. I want you to pray with your family in this room. I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit would indwell your family, that we might be a missional family for the sake of the gospel. So right now, just